Oh yeah, welcome to Rushcast. We are back in 2016. We had a really nice first year. We're here for the 2016 album series. Most of you know by now, we're going through one album every week in order from the beginning of 2016, that's today, through, I don't know, every week until uh, I think the first week of June will be done. So it's going to be like half the year here <laughs> that we're we're going through the albums. Starting off with the debut album. Uh, somebody gave me an idea, gave me an idea and said, why don't you do the live albums too? I said, nah, we're not going to do the live albums. We're just going to do studio albums. We're going to include feedback. We're going to include uh, the solo albums, Victor and My Favorite Headache. But we're going to leave the live albums out. And then he said, well, why don't you just do it after? Do the same thing, an album series, a live album series. Um, and I like that idea. It'll be tougher for me to like go and listen, go watch all those live shows. It's a, three hours long as opposed to 50 minutes or whatever an album will be. But that would be cool. We might not do it right after, but maybe later in the year, we'll do a live album series, potentially. Today is our first of this album series, however. We're going to start with Rush uh, and our guy John Rutsey and all those fun things that happened in 1974. I have a guest assigned for every, every episode up until June. I have all our guests booked. Um, and of course, this is just the way things roll on our first episode of the 2016 album series. I can't get a hold of our guest, so I'm going to improvise because that's what I'm good at is playing it by ear. The, the first album is the album I listen to the most or the least. I'll admit that right now. And I don't think I'm alone there. It's not because Neil's missing not because I don't like John Rutsey. It's not because I... Th- Maybe it's because I don't think the, the music is up to par with the rest of it. However, I still enjoy it. So I, I brag about this all the time. Is like I'm not going to come on the air or even just in a conversation with any Rush fan I run into. I'm not going to... I'm not going to praise Hold Your Fire, which I usually do and praise counterparts, and give Tesseracto some needed, much needed and much deserved praise, and talk about how great Snakes and Arrows is, and then go, oh, but I hate Hemispheres, I can't stand screechy vocals, or uh, I don't like the writing and the long stuff, I don't like the epics, or I'm not going to do that. I brag about the fact that I like every album. This one included, it's just the one I listen to the least. And maybe maybe it is because I just think the material isn't quite there. But what's nice about this album series is you're going to get to experience me going through these albums. So this week, all I did was listen to... When I'm listening to Rush, I was just listening to the debut album. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I did that. <laughs> there's never been a time where that's I listened to it seven times in a row or whatever. When I first got the album, and I got the I got all the Rush albums in a fairly short amount of time, maybe over the course of a couple of years, this was kind of lumped together with a few others that I had bought. 
obviously I thought the others the others I bought it with were better and I latched onto those and I gave this one a few listens and said, yeah, that's cool, and then moved on. I don't have a ton of immediate, uh, you know, I don't remember my immediate response. I remember thinking, okay, Working Man, I've heard that a million times. Here's where that came from. A great recording. I remember thinking Finding My Way on the other side of the album was equally as epic. It had a lot of nice guitar work in it. Whereas on Working Man, he kind of shreds a bit. Finding My Way is more of a a composer's rock song, in my opinion. Which says a lot for Alex, I think. So this week I'm listening to it, and I had two big things that stood out. And if we talk about my experience with this music over the last half a year, since summer, there are three big points. I'll start with the f- the the first one is what you're doing because it was played on R40. I think before R40, I couldn't even remember what what you're doing sounded like. That's how infrequently I listened to this album. You know, if I heard a few notes, I would go, "Oh yeah, I remember now." But I couldn't off the top of my head like I can for any other Rush song post like Fly By Night. And what R40 did was it made, I think, a, reminded a lot of us how hard it rocks, how 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 great of a tune it is, and how well it works live. So interesting that they hadn't really pulled it out very much in retrospect through their career until R40. A while ago, I compiled a list of every... I went through, like, powerwindows.net or something, looked at old set lists, and I wrote down all the opening songs and all the closing songs of every tour. And you got a, you know, Spirit of Radio. They op- I think they opened with Spirit of Radio a million times. They closed with La Via Strangiato and YYZ a million times. But in the closing, there was one that stood out. And there was one tour where they played What You're Doing as the last tune. The other thing is, In the Mood on this album was also a staple. Either usually in the encore, either the last song or the second to last song. Part of me is glad that's not a thing anymore. I don't want to go to a Rush show in 2014, 2013, and think, "Well, I know they're going to end within the mood." Like I don't, I don't want that to be a staple anymore. I would have that would have been cool in like '85, I guess, when they had they had half as much material to play through. And they kind of end with the... It's the closest thing they have to like a party song. It's real straightforward. Um, and it's it's fun. It's like sort of like the closest thing they have to a drinking song or something. So I'm glad that's not a thing. I wouldn't mind to hear it. In fact, if you've been listening to the show long enough, I really wanted to hear it on R40. I expected to hear it. And even during my R40 show, once I realized what was happening with the, the retrospective... I thought, there's no way they don't play in the mood. So I'm surprised at that, but was very happy with what you're doing. The other big point, and I do my, take this with a grain of salt, I do my best to not bash Rush rush songs on my show. I don't want to come on, I don't want this to be a show where we're like, oh, I hate this album, and this song is really weak, and these lyrics are silly, and... I don't I don't want that to be a thing. I don't want any negativity. I'll do it once right now. 
Maybe you've done it once or twice, a little. But I'll do it right here. I think Here Again might be might be the worst Rush song. <laughs> um, I know people will disagree with that, but I couldn't stand it listening to it each time it came up. I thought, this song is, number one, way too long. It just lasts too long. Like, like for a band that back in the 70s was known for really long songs, I think all the songs on this album are too long. They're long in a different way. Like, you know, Bytor's long, but that's a different kind of song. There are there are all these songs that are, are long because their forms are long, but here again just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats, and it's so slow. And I think maybe aside from... I'm not saying it's a bad song. Even, I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. I think there's a, an emotional aspect of it for me because I played in a dead band. I played in a band that covered Grateful Dead tunes. Whew. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't my favorite. It reminds me of a dead tune for some reason. It, this slow, like stupid drum beat behind it with nothing happening and the really predictable guitar line where the bass is playing the same thing. Uh, and it goes along with the bluesy theme of the whole album. The whole album is so bluesy. You know, we get these, like, Led Zeppelin comparisons and things. I hear, and I know nothing about Led Zeppelin. I won't pretend like I do. The Led Zeppelin I've heard, and it's, like, it's stupid, the ones that I know of. Like, I know what Black Dog is. I know Stairway. And I love them. I I love them. I've just never explored any other Zeppelin, and I know I'm going to get crap for that. It's just, I just never explored it. I don't know. It doesn't sound as Zeppelin-y to me as it does Skinnerd. I hear Leonard Skinnerd when I hear this album. And I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to hear Leonard Skinnerd in my rush. Um, and it's the same way with Leonard Skinner. I had a friend who was like way into them, so I've heard some of their stuff. Uh, maybe somebody more knowledgeable on Leonard Skinnerd can tell me I'm wrong, but uh, that's just what I hear. And with here again, I hear like this weird Leonard Skinnerd. Grateful Dead hybrid, and I don't like it. That's not the rush that I grew to love <laughs> was here again. Um, so that's my negativity rant, and you can disagree with me, but that, that was like the second of the three big things I took away from listening to the album and really ab- reabsorbing the album. The third one is big for me, and it's new, and I never... This is a, a brand new opinion. I think before and after is maybe the maybe the most mature song on the album and definitely the most telling and foreshadowing song that foreshadows, you know, their coming material more than anything else on on Rush. And I never used to think that. I in a year ago again, I couldn't tell you how before and after even sounded or what the words were. I I I just I didn't care about these songs that much. Like, I'd heard them, but I didn't absorb them and really digest them. My brother said to me, he's like, what's this song on Rush? And he's playing it, and I go, I don't even know. <laughs> so he finds the, the title. It says, it's before and after. This song rocks. I, I hear the beginning. I'm going, yeah, I can't. I can't get into it. That's not the Rush I grew to love. That's not YYZ. That's not Beneath Between Behind. It's not Bytor. 
It's not Fountain. It's not 2112. I mean, it's it's not even Tears. If we want to go down that route, like I'm comparing very different song types here, but I'll take Tears over that. And he played it, and he goes, now listen, like, my brother was really into it. He's like, listen, it, it, it like, changes halfway through. It's amazing. And from then on, he kind of, like, opened my eyes. I was like, all right, yeah, this is this this is nice. But this week, reabsorbing it, I'm thinking, this thing, this is what pushed them into Fly By Night. This is what John Rutsey maybe saw and went, I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, the direction I want to go in. Maybe. that's I'm just speculating. So while Finding My Way and Working Man rock hard, they really rock. Before and after, I think, foreshadows their intellect when it comes to composing. And Alex, it, it foreshadows Alex's ability to be a guitarist that is different than the guys in Leonard Skinner or Led Zeppelin. To be a, he, I think it really shows, like I hear Fly By Night when I hear that song now. I hear some other like later material in that song. So go back and listen to it and tell me if you agree. I think you'll hear what I'm talking about. And I do think it's I do think it's a great tune uh now other than, you know, opposed to how I felt a year ago. But I listened to this album thinking, okay, which of these says which of these is, you know, time traveling and saying here's what Rush is going to be. Especially on the very next album Fly By Night. I listened to the album going which of these could be on Fly By Night, maybe? I think Before and After is the answer. Finding My Way, I had a um, cover band as a teenager. My brother played the drums in that band, and uh, we were trying to convince... We got a second guitarist. We are trying to convince the two guitarists to play a Rush song with us. And the singers... Actually, the singer was like way younger. He was like... 12 when we met him he's like this guitar prodigy really really talented but his voice hadn't changed yet so he could sing the rush stuff and i really wanted him to play finding my way because it has like that guitar harmony thing happening in the middle of the tune right kind of in like the bridge section or like the soloy section uh that that's like two guitars playing and i really wanted that to happen it never ended up being a thing. Uh, I don't think either of those guitarists ever used enough distortion to ever make any Rush songs happen with any success. We did play YYZ um, in that band a bunch, but imagine YYZ with very minimal distortion on the guitar. It's just like a weird... (laughs) It's a weird thing that shouldn't happen. I'm baffled as to how what you're doing never made it into the live rotation more. Uh, Because, like, In the Mood was so frequently played. I don't know. You know, what's funny is I'm looking at my list now of the the songs, and I don't think I even own the version of Working Man with the the wah-wah guitar solo, like the vault edition or whatever. I remember when it was released, I remember thinking it was really neat and really enjoyable, but I don't, I haven't heard it in years. I forgot it existed. I'm sure it's on a, like a, 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 it's like a bonus song on a live DVD or something or a compilation release. 
you know, collectively, you look at the song list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine tunes, they're all so straightforward, they don't feel like there isn't like a king of this album, you know, there's a king of 2112, there's a king on Hemispheres, there might be two kings on Hemispheres, you know, there's one big track, and that I don't feel that with this one, maybe Working Man because of the radio play and the popularity and the, its significance in their history, but they're all sort of equals in my head. Um, nine tracks is small for Rush if you eliminate the albums that have uh, if you eliminate the albums that have songs that are like 10 minutes plus. That's a lot of tracks. Or that's not many tracks. Look at, you know, Vapor Trails, which I think has 13 tracks or something. Snakes has a lot. Clockwork has 12. However, these are CDs that these are being released on, so I can't compare those two. They couldn't fit that much music on a record in 1974. Plus, they were a brand new band. They only had, and and that's that's the thing I was looking forward to hearing from somebody who was around for this album was, you go see Rush in 1974 or 1975. They've got nine songs <laughs> to choose from. You like you can go to the show and know you're going to hear probably all of them or you know most of them, but in 2015 or even like 1981 you could you could go to a show and not hear anything from hemispheres or or a farewell to kings cuz they have a ton of material to choose from i like i complain sometimes because periphery to, they have 3 albums and like some eps or whatever and i complain that when i saw them they only played their one big hit their tom sawyer from their first album and it's like man they got 3 and their third album's a double album they got essentially five or six albums of material to choose from. But if I had seen them in 2010 when they released their first album, I would have, I would have been, it would have been golden. I would have had everything I wanted. So this is a brand new band. And I often compare my experience with periphery to rush because Periphery's at their like 2112 kind of part of their career. And if they go as long as rush, like I got way more albums to go. The other thing, let's stay on the periphery thing. I look at Rush, their debut album, and I look at where they went after that. Even on the very next album, there was such a difference. Let alone Moving Pictures, Power Windows, Roll of Bones, Vapor Trails. Like there are so many different eras. Like, what could any band that's two or three albums in? How could they say? How can we say that's what they're going to sound like forever? Like Rush has proven that's not a thing. It just doesn't happen. I guess there are probably bands who don't change much. Like, in my experience, I haven't heard a lot of Kiss that sounds, like, drastically different from different eras. ACDC, the same kind of thing. I could be wrong. I'm not experts on either of those groups. That's just, from my observation, eh, Kiss sounds like Kiss, no matter what. little side note here, I got some emails from people regarding last episode when I mentioned the Grace Under Pressure album art changing, and somebody sent me a nice thing and a nice write-up about the um, the Art of Rush, that new book that's been released. He said it's totally worth the money. I think his name is Sean that emailed me, because I'm just remembering this now, but he said the uh, there was a printing issue with Hugh Syme and the printing company. And Hugh Syme wasn't there to okay it or whatever, and they printed it anyway. And Hugh said he 
you know, he still kind of gags every time he sees the, you know, the, the product of that bad printing. And then each time they re, 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 reissued the album, they would make sure they got the original or the, the corrected uh, painting. He said that he was like really on his game when he when he made that album art, and he was bummed to see it get kind of goofed up. But at least, at least I and you know the the full story now. So thank you, Sean. So this is Rush. This is the debut album. Listen, guys, I am 24 years old, and I was not around in 1974. So I can't tell you what it was like, but I can tell you about my experience, and I'm doing my best. Uh, the thing is, I think the bottom line is, if this were the only album, and this is how I'm going to approach every album in this series, if this were the latest thing I had from Rush, and it was the only nine songs I had, I would love it. I would love it so much. If I were around in 1974, I would hear this stuff and go, that's my band, which is cool because this is my band. And I was introduced with, you know, snakes. Okay, so that's a cool thing. Especially with Working Man. These ones that rock really hard. Finding My Way. Like, these are... I, they've, um... Let me think. Let, what are songs that they faded in, like, Finding My Way? That's the only weird... That's one of the only weird things for me. Is the fade in? Like, the first song you... The world's going to hear from you when they get this album. You're going to fade in, not necessarily fade out. That's a weird concept to me still as a, as a performing musician. Like, I was never a fade. I'm hardly a fan of the fade out. But a fade in feels clunky to me. They do it on Finding My Way. The only other one I can think of is Heresy is a fade in with the, the snare drum. I think that's it. And I'm glad, 150 or 160 songs or whatever, and they only faded in two of them. But there might be a better way to start that song. I mean, look at the beginning of R30 when they played it. It just comes right out. I'm bringing in somebody, the the biggest fan of the debut album that I've ever met, um, because I'm still recording upstate at my parents' place. Uh, please welcome my brother, Ben Greco. Hello, everyone. He's also improvising today. Yes, yes, I am. Because plans fell through or something. Um, yeah, Ben likes the Beatles, right? Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you know Rush's catalog. Yes, I do. I've listened to it all day. You, you know all their catalog, like I do. I do, but you don't listen to it as much. You like the Beatles a lot. You know their catalog up I and know. down. <laughs> yeah, much better than Rush, yes. And what's the other band you listen to? Uh, Pentatonix, and and um, yeah, you like like the, like a folkier side of <laughs> on the spectrum when it comes to Rush and the Beatles. You're way closer, excuse me, to the Beatles. So I think that's why you like this album is because this is the closest Rush gets to being the Beatles. Yeah, definitely. I, they're probably I'd like to say they're a little bit inspired by them, but I highly doubt that as well. Well, everyone <laughs> was inspired. Everyone post Beatles was inspired by the Beatles. That's true. <laughs> You're the one that introduced me to before and after, effectively. Yes, uh, I had you try to help me teach the beginning part on my new guitar that I purchased. Oh yeah, you asked <laughs> to be able to play it, and there's like harmonics in the beginning. Yeah, I'm trying to learn how to do those on an acoustic guitar is a little bit harder than electric, I guess. So that was hard to. Yeah, pick up. You, yeah, you can do it. It's it's just 
they don't it doesn't ring as as long as uh, yeah. an electric guitar um do you think before and after is the best on the album i i would think so uh probably that and of course working man because that was their their single of course so that got the most time on the radio and whatnot yeah and definitely the most live play from the album yes in the in the years since not just on that tour mm-hmm. uh what's uh what like what are some other high points on the album i do I've got like, the list right here in case you, you have remember. a list well that's nice of you uh oh the songs thank you uh i do like a lot of the intros to most of these songs actually like i'm sure you're having fun picking an intro for this uh <laughs> i was thinking of a few of them uh like i like the fade in they do i believe it's take a friend the fade in the fade in they do at the very beginning oh yeah well it's funny you said that because before you got on you you came on the show i mentioned how finding my way fades in completely forgetting that the next song right is it the next song yeah the next song fades in as well i mentioned how finding my way and heresy were like the only fade-ins but i completely blanked there's another one on this album yeah and it fades out the same way as well for that that's song. true so maybe that makes it cool but what about <laughs> finding my way do you like it fading and i'm finding my way ah uh, yeah I, I like everything i don't have any problems with any of these songs to be totally honest even even though even though song i know you're not too much of a fan of um uh, here again yeah I, I said mean things about that last night and ben was like you just don't like it because it's slow <laughs> and he, and i'm a drummer and i am not the biggest fan of slow music because you were making fun of the drummer being like slowing down and not staying on beat but when you're playing long slow songs you get bored easily and you you'll you'll, you'll sleep. so your argument for here again being a, a legitimate song is that john rutsey got tired <laughs> well the, that was the part you were making. Oh no, fun guys! Of the most. It's a great song. John was just sleepy. <laughs> it's a boring song on the drums, that's for sure. But there, I do think it was one of. I believe it was um, uh, Getty who was writing most of the lyrics for the first album, and I think it was. I did look up the lyrics today, and they're pretty powerful lyrics considering. Uh, <laughs> what was the other song? Oh, in the mood. <laughs> Big difference between the two songs. <laughs> what does here again mean? What were the lyrics like about? Uh, we can look it up if you'd like, but that's you don't remember cheating. like I, the idea. They were, I have it no was idea. a lot about. Well, it kind of did summarize us uh, of like their future about as they uh, grew as a band, kind of all about how uh, I can't recall it exactly. Uh, it was but they some, were good lyrics. They were good said. lyrics, uh, as opposed to in the mood where Getty's like. I had wine. <laughs> I make babies. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure that um, got uh, Neil interested in, in the band, I'm sure, because he probably heard the, the lyrics to that song for That's this rock point. ballad. That's what I was kind of thinking about the whole thing. <laughs> down, 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 down. <laughs> Slower. Uh. Down, 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 down. <laughs> I just, I'm not, I don't know. It does, it does in, uh, kind of get a little heavier and a little harder at the end of 16 it. 16 minutes later? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it does, it, I, I am impressed with the solo uh, of that song as well. I, I like what I like most about the, the first album. I like, I like to go back to see where bands originated, like Beatles and all of that. But Getty and um, Alex really haven't changed since the beginning. 
those two have been friends for the longest time and i can still hear remnants of that first album from the newest album just the, they're very in sync and whatnot still even definitely with working man and finding my way oh yeah especially since all of clockwork was in the key of e <laughs> uh i think finding my way is an a <laughs> i couldn't tell you and but a and e were definitely prominent who had a better debut album, Rush or the Beatles? Or what I'm asking you is, what's worse, In the Mood or Please Please Me? Oh, oh, oh well, considering um the Beatles are a little bit more of a uh, more appealing to the women back then, I think the, they didn't mind that song more than Rush. Was what was the name of the Please Please Me? Was in the first album? What was it? The first album? Yeah. Um, that was. Love Me Do was on it, right? Oh, you mean the the singles form? What was their first album? The first album was Love Me Do, I believe. I, uh, no, I thought it was called Please Please Me. I don't. I took a Beatles <laughs> course in college, and we spent three years talking about Please Please Me. And I was like, raise my hand. I'm like, what about John Lennon's solo career? And he's like, not interested. <laughs> he's like, we're not going to talk about that. But have you heard Please Please Me? Yes, I have. <laughs> Several times. Um, so what then, if that's not the weakest on this album, what is? The weakest one? Uh, I would probably say in the mood, just because of the crappy lyrics that really bug me, and there's not much to the song, really. Um, well, there's no bridge or anything like that. It's not very creative. They were probably, that was probably the song they were trying to get, like, a hit on the radio for. I think in the mood and... I think I'm going bald could be the same song, especially yeah. especially with their introductions, and they're also the most Leonard Skinnerd sounding songs they ever wrote. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, what's your name by Leonard Leonard Skinnerd is uh, really similar to another song that you hear on the radio all the time. Give me three steps. Like they all just kind of fall into the same category for me. I'm glad Rush only had two of them, <laughs> and one they won't even acknowledge <laughs> while it's coming true. <laughs> um which of well which so you think in the mood's the worst uh what's uh what's which one do you want to hear live most because you and i aren't going to hear any of these live no uh i I would like to see what neil could do with some of these songs like what was the song he played live in this concert what you're doing is that what it was is he had a ball with that he, yeah, he goes completely nutso on Working Man as well. Yeah, I was like, he he's like, I don't have any, like, I'm not entitled to do any of the things that he just did because it's not my stuff, and he just went nuts. Yeah, I wonder what John Rutsey felt like when he first heard Fly By Night. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> Is that, that's Where he, I mean. like, saw the band live with Neil, and Neil's going completely that, that's nuts. That's a lot of drums. On <laughs> working Man. Uh, he just had a regular kit like like i do right he didn't have like a four piece anything special who uh john john yeah, yeah he had a five piece i think yeah and a funny and, looking microphone and i think he did fine for for what he had all he have to do is keep the beat and that's that's all he did that's all that's all he <laughs> needed to do like i hate people like he's he's pretty much the fourth the fourth uh rush member like they always talk about the fifth beetle this is ringo or yoko <laughs> You're saying he's the Yoko Ono of no, Rush? No, no. Well, at least say Ringo. Come on, that's that's not nice. I saw a meme online today that they asked like John Lennon and Paul McCartney if uh, Ringo was the best drummer 
Oh, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Is <laughs> what John said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Is Paul Paul also plays the drums? <laughs> That is so funny. Yep, I remember that. I, so- <laughs> I don't think that's the case in Rush. <laughs> no, I hope not. Alex, is Getty a really good bass player? Uh, Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> is. <laughs> well, you got anything else to say about this funny, funky album? Because uh, <laughs> I don't have much to say about it. I asked correspondent Chad. Um, I called him. I was like, I don't have a guest for this episode already. <laughs> one episode into the album series do you want to come on and talk about it and he's like god i don't even know the track listing i don't even know the like i'd have to listen to it again and that was in the same boat because i i rarely listen to this album and i listened to it and i was like i enjoy these songs they sound good i like them but and i'm like all right i got to the end I'm like i'm gonna listen to it again but i really didn't want to i was like <laughs> I, I like these, but I'd much rather be listening to moving pictures right now. Or... One, one of the other things I thought of for Here Again was I think that would have been a little bit more of a decent song if, if Getty could sing it the octave lower. I think that would have been a little <laughs> bit less. I like the <laughs> idea of like you're the producer and you're just like, Getty, that's cool, but could you like maybe sing it like a normal person? Well, yeah, because he's just kind of nice and mellow. He's like, yeah! Like, okay, okay, <laughs> easy, easy. And I do like... Uh, to hear Getty's voice when it was in his prime, and he can do all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, really good. Can... But <laughs> yes, but in my opinion, it's like "Fly by Night" and "2112." Those are the examples of where he does that well. It's true. Yeah. And like "Hemispheres," like those are albums where it's like, "Oh, that's really cool to hear screechy stuff." <laughs> Not that he doesn't do it well on this album no. either. Uh, I also like the idea that they named it "Here Again" because, like, as they're playing it, they're like, "Oh, we're here again." <laughs> yeah. Or that's just what John Rutzi's saying. They're like, all right, this is the end now, right? And Alex is like, no, we do another verse. He's like, oh, here again? <laughs> He's falling asleep. <laughs> I told you, that's a boring song for the drummer. Uh, I'd fall I don't asleep. Th- I don't think uh, even Neil could do anything more to that. Maybe add some auxiliary percussion, maybe somehow. Neil's playing like subdivisions part in seven <laughs> over here again. <laughs> I would love to see Neil try to do play some some of this like redo this whole album. He was like, "What song?" Stuff. And they're like, "This one." It sounds like this. Getty like plays it on his iPod. He's like, "No, <laughs> yeah, right. we're not playing that." <laughs> He's like, "You do it acoustic. I'll go in the back and have a smoke." Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm going bald, guys. But <laughs> what? I think I'm going bald. I'm just gonna. That's what spawned. You, I think I, I'm going bald. Yes, he was having a panic attack. Guys, guys, guys. I think I'm going bald. I I, I can't do this. I, have to work on so if you song. love this album you're probably not very happy with i apologize me. uh but <laughs> i think this is the most good things i've said about the album ever and uh like i said i do like the album ben likes it but is it your favorite album no no what's your favorite album i'm i am a fan of test for echo that's weird yeah i'm sorry <laughs> It's not a smooth transition. Yeah, right. Yeah, I really like Working Man and Totem. Those are my favorites. I did not say Working Man is my favorite. I'm not one of them. One of them? <laughs> okay. I've heard you bash those guys. I do bash them pretty well. But I also bash the people who bash Test for Echo, so that's cool. I'm not bashing Test for Echo. That's what I'm saying. It's cool that you like Test for Echo. Um, 
Name three songs from Test for Echo. <laughs> Test for Echo. I love Resist. That was how I started getting uh, away from just Snakes and Arrows. I wanted to hear the song Resist. I heard it on the uh, R30 tour, or it was Russian Rio, whichever was first. I think it's both of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the acoustic version, so I wanted to find that, but not acoustic, obviously. And I went through, I'm pretty sure, every album besides yeah, it was Test the last for Echo. album we got. Yeah, was it? Because I was looking for Driven from Russian Rio. Oh. That's, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> I think I only had, like, Test for Echoes, like, the song on my iPod, not the actual album either, which is why I couldn't find it. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I did eventually find it, So I love and I love that album. <laughs> what color was the original album artwork for the debut album? The original? The, yeah. Blue? What color is it right now? It's like a blue and purple. Am I? Th- I'm not thinking of the right album cover, am I? The one that just says Rush with like. St- oh, th- I thought you were talking about Test for Echo. I was gonna ask about that because it, it, I've seen pink and red. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pink when they like moved from Anthem to something else. I'm not really sure, but the- <laughs> I, w- I wonder if that was just to get catch people's uh, catch people's eye when they're walking through the scene yeah store. I, th- I think so I would, I would, less stuff is pink maybe yeah they'd be like "Ooh, that's ballsy what's this? i like to imagine alex was just like i like pink <laughs> they're like but it's red <laughs> he's <laughs> like it's pink now can i make my guitars pink no how about the album cover fine <laughs> i also like to imagine alex is in a fat suit everywhere <laughs> like when he's not on stage, that's the only time he's not in a fat suit. That's how he hides from the media. He just... Yeah, he's playing golf and he's just like struggling to get out of a golf cart. <laughs> You're right. These if people really do like this album. They're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> well, it's about, disappointing. We talk more about Beatles than the album. <laughs> no, I because I recorded like like 20 minutes before this. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, I said all the good things I had to say about it. But I just, it's like, if it were, if they released this album in 1974 and then they all died, then <laughs> that we, would be their this legacy. would be awesome. But they didn't die. <laughs> no. They made 19 more albums <laughs> that were way better. So compares, comparatively, you know, this is whatever. But uh, this by itself, <laughs> if you don't compare it to, which I shouldn't do, if you don't compare it to the stuff that came after, it's very, very good. Yes. And I'll take this over any Led Zeppelin. Even <laughs> yeah, though I haven't heard much Led Zeppelin. Uh, it's certainly an album that stands alone for many reasons. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, finding My Way. Take a Friend. Oh, Need Some Love is in there. For, I haven't mentioned much about Need Some Love. That, that had more some of that screaming stuff I was That's talking about later. Drunk Getty just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is that how he picks up girls he's just <laughs> it's not working guys <laughs> Alex is like hey we need some like lyrics eh <laughs> and Kenny's like I don't know what to write and Alex is like well like what are you thinking about lately I'm and horny then, like, a, man a like... thought bubble appears above Getty Lee's head <laughs> it's just wine <laughs> baseball i don't know he drank wine as he collects as you... wine oh does he i don't know if he drank it as a 17 year old but... no <laughs> um Wait, is that really how young they were when they made this 
No, that's a good question. I don't know how old they were. That is an excellent question. They are 61-ish, I think, right now. So that means they were born in... Uh, hold on, I can do it. Help us out here, Google. Uh, <laughs> I can do it. Um, They were... Uh, I can do it. <laughs> 55? 54-ish. They were born in 54-ish. I don't know if that's right. 50-ish. So then in 54 to 20... Yeah, they were like 20 years old-ish. They were my age. Sure. Well, we just go with my age. Yeah, because everyone knows what your age is. Yes, they do. Uh, They do now. On this whole album, how many of these have I heard live? Personally, I've heard Working Man a million times. They played In the Mood so much and I never heard it. I heard What You're Doing. That's weird. And I heard the beginning of... Oh, no, I didn't. I never saw R30 live, so I've only seen two of these performed live. We should keep a tally on how many I've heard live through the album series, just because that would be funny. Maybe there's some I'm albums. Down. No, I'm sure I've heard something from every album. Wait. Well, didn't they... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, that's true. On R40, I oh, definitely okay. have. What's uh? What did they play on Caressa's Steel? Uh, Bastille Day. Gotcha. <laughs> Thank you, Brain, for answering that for me. Okay. Do you have something you want to sign off with? I Let like, us pray. <laughs> I like Rush. I thought you were going to say, I like eggs. <laughs> um, you like Rush? <laughs> I like Rush. Just in case you guys don't believe me. <laughs> I like Rush. Well, I didn't do this album any justice, did I? So they're like... Who You're the, the best person to have on. You're the only one that listens to this album for fun. I, I, I do. <laughs> It's easy. I think what it is is I like to play. I like to play on the drums to this to this album because it's less pressure. Because <laughs> I know it's not Neil's stuff. It's just some sleepy dude. Yeah, <laughs> with a funny haircut. Uh, all right, name. You are now describing Ringo once more. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't that ugly. Um, name the songs on Moving Pictures. Why? <laughs> that I it? like Rush. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's funny. Like you don't even know the songs I'm moving. I, like I'm, you know them if to hear them. Once like, I hear them, I can start singing along, jamming out to them. Yeah, but I, but I'm you not know this to... album really well, which I think is the opposite of most fans. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ben Mantis. Thank you for being on the show. No problem, Jay. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for calling out. What's your face? <laughs> Who? I don't think the, the original guest. <laughs> Oh, I didn't call him out. I figured I'd be nice. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, we did okay. Take the high road. Okay, see y'all. Brought to you no, by... No, I didn't say it. Brought to you by Knickerbock.